Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Today we're going to be going to a couple of passages uh, in the Bible today being the day of Pentecost. We're going to be going to uh, John uh, chapter 14 in a moment and also to Acts chapter 2. And the title of the message today is Matan, not Baton, Matan. What in the world is that? Well, I'll tell you in a moment. Pentecost is a New Testament word that, that uh, represents a day 50 days after Passover. Okay? The Old Testament calls Pentecost the Feast of Weeks. Weeks, W-E-E-K-S. So that seven weeks, seven seven-day periods, 49 days in total, the next day on the 50th day begins the Feast of Weeks which the Old Testament calls the Feast of Weeks, the New Testament calls the Feast of Pentecost, okay? It's just the difference in the Hebrew and the Jews, and then he would get over here into the Greek and the Aramaic, and, uh, and us Gentiles know it as Pentecost. Um, it's also known by a few other names, the Feast of Shavuot, which is Hebrew for weeks. It's also known as the Feast of Matan, or the Day of Matan. It's also known as a feast of harvest because uh, the wheat harvest will begin in, right now. They bring their first fruits of wheat harvest on Pentecost Day and then they are sent out to the harvest after Pentecost. And so all of these things. But today uh, we're going to talk about this uh, day of Matan uh, in, 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 in connection with the day of Pentecost. The children of Israel, you know, separated their very first Feast of Weeks, their very first Pentecost, 50 days after they came out of Israel at Passover, um, excuse me, of Egypt at Passover. Passover in Egypt, they came out. 50 days later, they were at Mount Sinai. And on that specific day, the very first day of Pentecost, the reason they began this celebration is because it is the day in which God gave them the Ten Commandments. Moses came down from the mountains with the Word of God. Never before had a God given anybody His written Word as a seal of His covenant with them. Never before had any people received such a gift such a, such a matan, such a gift. That's what the word matan means, a gift. A very special gift, by the way, okay, in reference to Pentecost. And then on the very same day, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, some 1,000 to 1,500 years later, God sent the Holy Spirit on that same day. Never before had God given His Word as a covenant to people written in stone. And never before had God given, had any, any, anywhere, anybody ever heard of, of God giving his own spirit to dwell in his children, in his people. Wow. Amazing, huh? Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. Thursday was Pentecost. Thursday was the 50 days after Passover on April the 8th. But today is Pentecost Sunday. Why do we, you know, celebrate Pentecost on Sunday? Because we're Christians and we didn't want to come to church on Thursday. 
<laughs> okay? Why do we celebrate Lincoln's birthday, which is President's Day, on Monday? Because everybody wants three days off. Okay? We're Gentile Christians. We don't want to come to church on Pentecost. We want to come to church on Sunday. And so we in Christendom have moved anything we want to celebrate to a Sunday. And today is Pentecost Sunday, the day that we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit and the birthing of the church. When God sent the Holy Spirit to that 120 people in that upper room some 2,000 years ago, that was the birth of the church. Wow. Amazing, huh? Well, the book of Ephesians tells us how important the church is. The church is the body of Christ. When we talk about the church this morning, let me tell you to make sure you understand exactly what we're talking about. Two functions here, two things about the church. Number one, the church is the body of Christ. When I talk about the church today, I'm going to be talking about his body, the body of Christ. Jesus is the head and the church is the body. This is the picture that God gave us in the Word. Now, can you imagine for just a moment... Jesus the head, we're the body. We are his body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. We are individual members of the body. You may be a finger. You may be a toe. You, know, you might be the pancreas. <laughs> I don't know what you are. But you are an individual member of the body of Christ. And then together corporately, we make up the body. Every member is important, but so is the body. Jesus, the Bible says, died for the church and he's coming back for the church. He's coming back for the corporate body. He's coming back for the church. We are individually important to him as, as every member of your body is important. But we are collectively important to him and collectively much more powerful than any one of us individually. And we must remember that members cannot live without the body and the body cannot live without the head. And, you know, I... I don't pretend to understand all of the implications that the Scripture gives us, but I do know that the picture God gave us of the church, number one, is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. The body of Christ was birthed on the day of Pentecost. Number one, we're the body of Christ. Number two, the second thing we'll talk about today is that we are the bride of Christ. And this will figure into our message in just a moment. And to the matan. We are the bride of Christ. Now, the Word of God paints a picture of weddings that we are not used to in our custom, in our Western custom and culture. But it is the truth whenever God says, and the Word says that we have been bought with a price. A very precious price. We have been purchased and redeemed with a very precious price. 
1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit, they belong to God. This again is a picture of marriage. It's a picture of a wedding. It's a picture of being a bride, the bride of Christ. You were bought. Whether you're an individual member or us collectively, we have been purchased. We have been redeemed out of this world. We were on our way to hell in a handbasket, and God bought us with a very precious price. We came at the cost of his only son, and he bought us as a bride for his son, and then he raised his son from the dead and betrothed us to him. We we are the bride of Christ. And throughout the New Testament, you can find this for sure. God paid for us. The church is engaged. We are in covenant with Jesus. And one day Jesus will come again and he will take his bride back to heaven. This event is known as the rapture of the church. There will be a wedding feast in heaven that will last for seven years. Years. The other wedding feast in the, in, spoken of in the Bible would last for seven days. You can remember if you look at many of the weddings, a seven day, uh, you know, even when Jacob, you know, was given the wrong woman, Leah. Uh, if, if, if you read that in the book of Genesis, he had to fulfill his seven days with her before he could marry Rachel, the woman that he thought he was working for. Well, uh, you know, don't get confused, by the way, when I said rapture of the church, don't get confused about the two times in the New Testament, uh, two, two special times that we see Jesus coming back. Okay? Uh, don't get confused with Jesus coming back for his bride. Don't confuse the rapture with him coming back to whoop up on the Antichrist. The battle of Armageddon. Don't, don't get confused about those. Those are two different things. You see, when Jesus comes back for his bride, the next time you see Jesus, he's going to be a bridegroom. The next time the world sees him, he's going to be a conquering warrior king. The next time I see Jesus, he will come in the clouds. And I'll hear a trumpet. And those who know him shall hear it. And only those who know his voice shall hear him on that day when he comes in clouds of glory to catch us all away. The graves will then be open and the dead in Christ shall rise. Now, they're not in the grave. Don't get confused. They're with him. Their soul is in heaven. But on that day like a seed, their bodies will rise up glorified. And they will be joined with their bodies. And praise God, we which are alive and remain shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We won't have to spend any time without our glorified bodies. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. I'm hoping that I can be clothed upon at that, at, at that uh, rapture moment so that I won't have to spend any time naked. <laughs> All right. Don't get confused about Jesus 
coming back in the air for his bride and Jesus coming back seven years later with his bride and setting his feet down up on the Mount of Olives and getting ready to whoop up on that Antichrist who is staging his army in the valley of Jezreel and all the armaments there in open and plain sight and all the kings of the earth gathered together against him and will be with him. Glory to God, I get a front row seat for both of them. Hallelujah. Okay. Like I said, the next time the church sees Jesus, you know, he will be a joyful bridegroom. The next time the world sees him, CNN, NBC, Fox, ABC, CBS, NPR, and Washington Post will all have their reporters there. We'll be going out in secret the first time. Everybody is seeing him when he comes back with King of Kings and Lord of Lords written on his thighs. And a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Ooh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, back to Pentecost and the birth of the church. So y'all done made me. Having people out here, I'd do so much better. <laughs> ah, glory to God. Well, most Gentiles are not familiar with this wedding that's going to take place when Jesus comes back and we go up to heaven and we're married and we, we, you know, and, and we have this feast for seven years. Most Gentiles are not familiar with the customs of the wedding that, that, that Jesus and the Word of God speaks of. So let me, let, let, let me just touch a couple of things, okay? A couple of things. Number one, it is the father of the groom who is responsible to find a wife for his son. He goes out looking, and when he finds one he thinks is suitable, then he negotiates with the father of the bride, and they settle on the price, and he buys her for his son. Okay? He gives the father a purchase price for his daughter. It's called muher. That's what the purchase price is called in Hebrew. You can read about it in Genesis 34. Okay? Uh, but then, uh, then the, the two are introduced, the groom and the bride. And if everything goes well and they like one another, then they strike up a covenant. They make a covenant. I'm cutting to the short version, by the way. They, okay, we're going to get married, okay? And they make this covenant agreement which is legally binding and morally binding, and they are for all practical purposes, just like Joseph was to Mary, they are married. They are betrothed. Now, they cannot consummate their marriage, and they can't go and start living together. But rather, the groom has to go back home to his father's house and build, a, we'll call it a mansion, Okay. He has to go back and build a house, go back and build a room, an addition in his father's house so that he can bring his bride back and they have somewhere to live. Now the son, the groom, does not get to decide when he goes back. When he completes the house, according to the father's satisfaction, and when the father, having keeping an eye on the bride whom he's already purchased, whenever she's ready... And he's ready. Then the father, generally at midnight, 
in tradition, in custom, says, go and bring your bride back home. And then there's a trumpet that sounds and his friends go with him and they cry, the bridegroom is coming and nobody's exactly sure because in the cover of darkness and they swoop in and get the bride and go back out and are there for seven days. Wow, what a good deal. Oh, I forgot the matan. What is matan? What is the matan that we're talking about today? Well, you know, I said the mohair is a purchase price that the father pays for the bride. In this case, our case, God paid his son for the bride. Okay? Then he resurrected his son, and then we've been introduced, and Jesus offered us a covenant. And when we say yes to the covenant, we are betrothed. We are, you know, morally and legally and spiritually married. But Jesus, you can read about it in John 14. In fact, let's turn there uh, in John the 14th chapter, uh, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wow. Okay. So when, in tradition, when the bridegroom says to the bride, I got to go and prepare a place, but I'm going to come again. Then he gives the bride matan. It is a gift that he gives to remind her that she is married, that she has a covenant, you know, it, 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 it's precious, it's costly, it could be money and jewels. Many times in the Bible, you'll see it as jewelry, something that's gold and silver is given at this moment, okay? Uh, something very precious, very valuable. It is designed to remind her that she is married, that she has a covenant, and also to help take care of her should she need anything while he is gone. And also for her to remember that he is coming, he's made a promise, you are valuable, and he's coming back to get you. Okay? So she has this gift until he returns, and it reminds her. Well, this originated, this is the picture of what happened on the very first day of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, with Moses. When Moses came down out of, you know, from the mountain with these Ten Commandments, these Ten Commandments were God's matan. It was his word written in stone. My covenant that Israel, you are my bride. You are my wife. I have chosen you. You are mine, and here is my covenant, and here is my word. And these are the things you need to do in order to please me, in order to be ready for me. Here is, here is my time. And that's why this day of Pentecost is called the day of my time. Fast forward to the day of Pentecost when God sent the Holy Spirit. Guess what it is? It is a gift from 
God on behalf of Jesus, giving us the Holy Spirit on that same day to remind us that we have a covenant with Him. Also, should we need anything while He is gone, the Holy Spirit will provide for us. And to remember the promise that he is coming again will remind it because the spirit and the bride say come come Lord Jesus that same spirit now Jesus said yeah go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap in the Old Testament uh, the law was written in stone okay in the New Testament with the Holy Spirit God's word and will and way is written in their hearts and minds I like this much better the, the Bible says the Old Testament is the law, okay? It's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. In the New Testament, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a teacher because we have come to Christ. Wow. Teacher, teacher. Word of God, word of God. You know, reminder, reminder. Take care of us, take care of us. Show us how to please, show us how to please. The Holy Spirit was given on the day of Matan as a, as a gift to us to remind us that he's coming again. To remind us that we are in covenant. That we might remember that he's coming back for us. We, he is our counselor. He is our teacher. He is our comforter. And he is our friend. And the Holy Holy Spirit is living on the inside of us as this promise that he's coming again. Wow. Acts 2, 32. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached a great sermon on that day. 3,000 people were saved. But when Peter is concluding his sermon, the very first sermon ever preached by Peter and the very first sermon ever preached in the church and the very first sermon ever preached on the day of Pentecost, the very first sermon that was spirit-filled, you know, listen to how it concluded. This is what uh, Peter had preached now for, you know, a, a, a long time. Thousands of people listening in the streets. And in verse 38, Peter is concluding. This is his altar call. Repent, he says, to all these thousands of people in the streets. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift. It's a gift. That's what the word matan means. Gift. It's a gift. You shall receive the gift. What gift? The New Testament confirms this over and over and over and over in Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that this particular Greek word used here is the same word that indicates this gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the gift. It is the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. The promise is to you and to your children. The promise of his return. The promise he's going to take care of us between now and the day he comes back. This day of Pentecost. This day the promise of God. What promise? They knew the promise. They knew the promise that we are a people called to God. This promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Wow. Well, today's the day of Pentecost. We celebrate the birth of the church, but we also celebrate 
this gift we have received from Jesus as his bride. No other bride has ever gotten a gift like this. And it reminds me that he's coming back to get me. He's coming back and I believe it's soon. I believe it's soon. One of the indications of him coming back is that the spirit and the bride will say come. I'm going to count to three and let's just say, let's just hear if the bride is ready. One, two, three. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Haven't you had enough of this yet? Even so, Lord Jesus, come. What is our takeaway? Our takeaway is that Pentecost is more than just an experience. Yes, I speak in tongues because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. On that day of Pentecost, nations were represented. And the Bible says, every nation, every tongue shall confess. I believe that that was a part and parcel of a fulfillment of every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm thankful that I continue to represent that spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-filled expression of life. In Acts the 19th chapter, the Apostle Paul was passing through the upper coast. And the Bible says that he ran across some disciples, 12 people who were preaching the word. And he had a question for them. You can read that question in Acts 19. He said this, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now that's a reasonable question. You know, don't I get the Holy Spirit when I get born again? Yes. You get the promise of his return and you get the, the, the salvation that only comes by his presence through the Holy Spirit. But yet there is a fuller expression. I like what one pastor said a number of years ago. I heard him say this. He said, whenever I got born again, the Holy Spirit became a resident. But when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit became the president. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power to be a witness when the Holy Spirit is upon you. You remember the Feast of Pentecost? We talked about this. It's the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. It's the Day of Matan. And it's also called a Feast of Harvest. Because the representation of that day was for the first fruits of wheat. Passover was barley harvest. Pentecost is wheat. At the first fruits of wheat, they left that feast heading out to the fields because it was an indication that feast was the beginning of a great harvest season. So that 120 people in the upper room on that day of Pentecost knew their orders. They had known this for years. It was their culture. When we leave this feast, we're going out to the fields to reap the harvest. Wheat represents the world. So here, that 120 people filled with the Holy Spirit were sent out to be a witness with the power to be a witness to reap the harvest of souls. 
That's what we're going to do from this point here. This is Pentecost Sunday. We are going to be leaving here on this day of Matan with a promise of his return, with the power to be a witness, to go out and tell others. And that day, 3,000 people were harvested just from one city street. Let me encourage you to realize the fields are ripe. Your friends want Jesus. They may not know it, but if you will just receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit this morning, that power, that unction, that reminder to be a witness will go with you. And you will be able to communicate better in a language they understand concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to pray together. We're going to ask God to fill us with this Holy Spirit. Perhaps you're listening from home and you're not sure you're saved. You can be saved right now. By simply recognizing you need a Savior, repenting of your sins, just like Peter said, the same altar call, and receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit right now. Would you dare to pray with me? Fill me fresh. Fill me fresh. Baptize me fresh with this desire. Lord, help me to go out into the harvest fields. Baptize me fresh on this Pentecost Sunday. Send me to a lost and a hurting world. Pray with me, won't you? Father, today, Lord, we pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, come to us fresh. Send your Holy Spirit. Fill us, refresh us, baptize us fresh again with the Holy Spirit. God, that Spirit that reminds us, that Spirit that empowers us, that Spirit that is our comforter, our counselor, our teacher, and our friend. Fill us to overflowing with the power to be a witness and send us out into the fields today. Lord, bring us before those, Lord, who are ready to be harvested, that we might bring, Lord, our sheaves to you, sir. Lord, we pray, fill us with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen.